I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You are listening to Metal Shop's Backstage Pass. Now that we've all thrown up in our mouths because Kevin and Ryan were making nasty sounds before we started. Gag reflex, man. I can't resist. Bodily functions. Uh, Welcome to Metal Shop's Backstage Pass, episode number 78. Yeah, man. And the holidays have officially started. It's time for Christmas time music to invade our ear holes. Are, are you guys playing the Drummer Boy game this this season? What's that? What's it's, that? Uh, the goal is to go the entire holiday season without hearing Little Drummer Boy. And like, you, you can't cheat. Like, your friend can't be like, "Oh, you're playing that game here. Let me put it on." Oh, like here, have a smear off ice. No, no, it, it's a. Uh, it's you try to go the entire holiday season without hearing it at the mall or in the car or anywhere. I guess it no is one of the more. So uh, if it comes on, are you? F-ed? Yeah, you if lose. If it comes on, but what do you lose though? You, you just you just lose. Oh, it's, it's just, like the game. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, f- that. Like you should that. actually lose something. Like somebody needs to come chop your foot off or you something. You <laughs> your ass to the elf on the shelf. We fucking <laughs> get up your ass and ram it around. We take the elf off the shelf and get up your ass. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Elf on a new shelf. Elf in an ass. <laughs> it's a new tradition. Little drummer boy, huh? I, yeah, man. That is one of the more not rare songs. You just don't hear that one as often. Yeah, yeah. It's it's you know it's it's in it's mid range enough. You know you're not guaranteed you're gonna hear it, but the odds are pretty against you. You know. All right. Have you guys right. seen that uh, Christmas themed porno, Little Drummer Boy? <laughs> <laughs> nope, but it's on my list now. It's good. Oh my god. It's a it's a favorite of Jared. I bust this subway. That guy. Well, hopefully by the end of the year he ends up not being the butt of our stupid f-ed up jokes. Something will be going in his butt. But a bunch, and it's a. <laughs> yeah, no more. F- yeah, free foot footlongs <laughs> for life for him. Is that what the thing is? Yeah, dude. All Twelve right, well. inches. Speaking <laughs> of nom noms, uh, what? How was you guys' Thanksgiving? Uh, mine was f***ing fantastic. I spent it with my mom, learned to make a turkey, and... Oh, uh, so you got your hands dirty, huh? Oh, I got my hands bloody, massacred, and dirty. I felt like Ian out in that woods f***ing killing bitches. Yeah. Killing Bambi's mom. Get your hands up in the guts, ripping stuff out, like cramming stuffing up its butthole. Yeah, it was good times. I didn't do much of the... We didn't... You know, one thing that's really awesome we didn't do this year because we forgot to buy a can of Pepsi, but if you caramelize your turkey and Pepsi... Yeah, dude. Badass! It's like kind of sugary. Where's Mike from Suicidal Tendencies? When you all need I him? wanted was just one Pepsi, motherfucker. Caramelize my turkey. Yeah. Well, I invited Ryan over, but he's like, "Nah, I'm good. I'm just gonna eat pizza and work." <laughs> yeah. What is that hell, what, what is that what you did for Thanksgiving? <laughs> yeah, dude. I I needed to sleep. F. I'm doing all the overnights in a row in this one big chunk. I thought so you had kinda... to work Thanksgiving here. Yeah, I did. I'm doing like all the overnights. And nobody it... brought you a turkey dinner, huh? No, no, no turkey dinner. You know, I bet if you went down to the shelter, you could pass as a homeless guy. <laughs> just put on like a big trench coat. Yeah, it's not yeah, far from scummy. me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you, all you have to do is just put a coat on. 
<laughs> he would pass us. And, and the did whole you ever, is... uh, did you ever see my video project from a few years back where I actually did that? Tell us about it. Yeah, where you were drinking uh, Gatorade out of a Windex bottle yeah, and stuff. Yeah, what? man. And I did. Uh, I soaked a tampon in um, in like Kool Aid, except I made it so that it was like syrupy, and I just like put it in my mouth and right in front of somebody, just like flick it out of my mouth onto the ground. Uh, let's what was see. the other one? You were Jesus. eating a vanilla pudding out of a mayo jar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just being a weird ass. Just I, I went and sat down next to this woman at the bus stop and just started like lapping at the mayonnaise jar. Jesus. And then I just kept leaning over closer and closer to her. <laughs> she kept leaning further and further away. That's how you get yourself shot or something. <laughs> You got to be careful. Yeah, the <sighs> the best reaction I got while I was doing the Windex thing is stumbling down the street. This black dude coming out of the cigarette store just takes one look at me and just goes, "Oh hell no, <laughs> Jesus! You gotta get some help, son. You gonna kill yourself." Yeah, you are. <laughs> you are. If you keep that up. Speaking of f***ed up things, so this week I was talking to uh, an older friend of mine uh, that I met through re- the record store, and he's probably in his mid-40s now. Uh, I just talked to him here and there, and I ran into him, and he was telling me about an old Gigi Allen show that he saw in L.A., because he used to be an L.A. punk rocker, and he went to all the kind of shows. He saw X, he saw Bad Brains, he saw all kinds of bands, but he did indeed go to a lot of Gigi Allen shows. He said it was more for like the shock and awe, I didn't really enjoy the music too much, but at one night- for the shock and sh- Shock and shit, literally shit thrown at you. But one night he went to this uh, show in a bar in L.A. and it was Gigi Allen and these two chicks who did not know Gigi Allen and they were probably about 19 years old. They didn't know who that was. They just thought knew it was a punk show and they knew it was going to be pretty crazy. They get really fucking drunk and they go up to the front row. Gigi Allen grabs oh, no. one of them, rips her clothes off on stage and starts literally whipping her on stage her on stage wow and he grabs the microphone and sticks it up his ass <laughs> and exclaims i'm doing this so now you sound you know what sounds like from the inside <laughs> and the cop oh, showed man. up you within be like, laughing the cop showed up within like three minutes and what sent him to jail and shut the show down and shit, but so he is a literal rapist and yeah uh, he is a little rapey that's Gigi messed Allen, up dude it's not it's not cool to like Gigi Allen. that guy's a fucking scumbag gg allen people yeah. holy fuck. yeah that's anyways true. whatever that guy's dead so yeah he's dead rest in piss mother just the way so he'd rest like it. in piss yeah that uh really doesn't compare to my thanksgiving it was rather calm compared to that well uh, you know that didn't have anything to do with thanksgiving but no next time i have thanksgiving that's what i'm gonna do someone on stage <laughs> no <laughs> i'm gonna grab a turkey leg stick it up my ass and go this is what thanksgiving dinner <laughs> sounds like from the inside <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you record it for the podcast, please. Okay, I will. Sorry, Mom. So what'd you do, man? <laughs> I just hung out with my parents. I, I didn't... Usually my parents and I go over to somebody else's house because it's just the three of us. Yeah. Just the three of us. But no, we just chilled and had dinner by ourselves, which is just the way I like it. I got to smoke weed outside the way I prefer to. And uh, we watched a bunch of football and talked a bunch of shit. It was great. Cool. I love hanging out with my parents. My mom's an awesome cook. Yeah. Did you do any of the helping or was it all on her? It was all on her. I brought some booze. Nice, but, dude. Oh man, she made the most. I'm a huge fan of mashed potatoes. It's my, yeah. it's my favorite part of Thanksgiving, and she made the most up sinful. I think she put in like probably like half a cup of cream cheese, like sautéed some butter with some garlic the night before. Just tons of garlic, tons of butter and cheese, and oh my fucking god. Best mashed potatoes I've ever had. Gained a couple life. pounds just by throwing it in. Well, I just you know just by that, at that's it. the only thing I took home. Was nice. like, that was like my doggy bag was, hey, let me get all those mashed potatoes. All right. 
So that's awesome. I'm a I'm a potato hound. I my, bl- I blame the Irish in me. My new sh- is uh so we took carrots and we put a bunch of cinnamon on it. Ooh. So glaze it in cinnamon. Did you put some Pepsi on it? No. Okay. But yeah, you you cook them and then you put some cinnamon on them and it tastes it smells like applesauce, but it's fucking amazing. Carrots. Real good. Carrots with uh spicy goodness. Now I want to eat some fucking food. Let's yeah. do it. Look what we did to ourselves. Let's order a pizza, guys. Real talk though, I <clears throat> and I've been meaning I meant to do that this week is to go order a it. No, the day after Thanksgiving and go buy the leftover turkeys on the cheap. Oh, oh yeah. I wanted to go do that and I wanted to deep fry one of them and have like a Friendsgiving after the, No, you can rent them. Yeah. For, for like 20 bucks a day. Yeah. Just as long as you don't burn your house down. Yeah, That's, don't do it or inside. Kill yourself. Don't do it inside, guys. Dude, I I used the greaseless fryer. My my uncle got it for me a couple years back and it's it's freaking that thing's seen so much action. But have you ever had a deep fried turkey? Oh, I I have. Deep, All deep my family's from down south, oil? man. Yeah. I oh, I am It's the best. It's the most tender. I'm watching your belly jiggle as you talk about yeah. deep fried like turkey. Like a bowl right? full of jelly. Cranberry jelly. He's like readjusting it. He feels so conscious. It's like, God damn it, you called me on my belly. Kevin, oh, you're a, a dick. Guy. Hey, man, I'm getting piked. That makes it's up happening. for you talking about how the ghost in the shot inside should get in more van wrecks from last. <laughs> Ryan, that's Jesus. what you get. No, I didn't. I didn't mean it like Ryan's that. Like, oh, I was wait, say, me? What, what, I'm just what saying. Do you mean? Oh, I never said that. Hey, no, man. They. I Ryan's was pointing the out they were making more money by getting in a van wreck than. You know, bands normally do go on on tour. Man. Yeah, right. You know, you're bummer. on Lamb Goat posting van flip. <laughs> First post van flip die. <laughs> oh, internet troll Ryan. Yeah, dude. He's already a troll. He just needs to be an internet troll. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, I'm glad everybody had a good week, and now we're all fat. I didn't and say sassy. had a good week. Oh, fucking sorry. <laughs> I hope you had a week. Did you have a week? No. Okay, then shut the fuck up. Okay. How about this? All right, podcast over. We shut the fuck up. Uh, okay, bye. <laughs> All right, let's talk about some metal news. Uh, tons of cool stuff going on this week. It's like they're trying to squirt out all the news before the end of the year. Squirt, squirt. Squirt it. Squirt out all the news. So let's start this week on some on a good foot. Uh, a band called Neurosis is celebrating 30 years coming up uh, in March, and they're going to be playing a series of 30th anniversary shows with the one and only Sleep. That's awesome. So it's going to be March 4th and 5th at the Regency Ballroom in San Francisco, California. And it's just rad to see a band like that make it 30 years. Seriously, Neurosis is crazy because, like, I thought I knew Neurosis. Like, they're really deep, heavy stuff like that. I thought I really knew their catalog. So I went back and bought a reissue copy of their first record, and it's just straight punk. It's like gutter punk, and it's out on Lookout Records. Awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, they're... they're Label mates with Green Day. Bay Area ties are are really, really tight. And uh, at one point, (laughs) Maximum Rock and Roll decried them and said, we will never review another Neurosis record. So Neurosis, at that point, let's listen to an interview. With their uh, their one of their singers at that point, Neurosis said "fuck you," and then they just kind of turned their back on punk and they they toured on Ozfest and uh, they just they found that the metal audience was a lot more accepting. They just and, went uh, they now they're just doing their own yo- weird way. Way. exactly, and now you can't really even define them. They're like post rock, metal, doom, stony. They're just fucking Neurosis, man. They're Neurosis. Another band you can't really describe too well without just listening to them is a band by the name of Graf Orlock. These guys are a cinema 
like action and horror themed grindcore band and uh, Cinemacore. Yeah, Cinemacore. They are entering 2016 with the release of a new album called Crime Travel on Vitriol Records. Vitriol is actually owned by one of the guys from uh, Graf Orlock and also features uh, formerly known as Owen Hart Earth Control. So they're label Earth. mates with them. Uh, coming out February 5th. And uh, sweet. Yeah. So it's their third full length. Not very far from now. You know it's going to have some fucking sweet artwork, too. Yeah, the last record was the. Uh, the face hugger from Alien. Oh yeah, all folded up. Oh, wait, no, that was Doombox. Uh, no, was they the released Doombox, which was in a like a made a cardboard boombox. Was part of the LP gatefold, right? And, and once you uh, took it out, you could actually build a boombox that played it. It's fucking weird. That's awesome. Yeah, and it was made out of cardboard. So, Crime Traveler is what it's going to be called. Uh, ten songs, and you want to play at least just the cinema part of the Let's first jam song? it. It's called A Decent Proposal in a Shitty Alley. All their lyrics are quotes from movies. Hey, I need some double A's. And hurry up! Yeah, yeah. What's the holdup, old man? Hey, I remember when kids like you had some respect! <laughs> Try remembering that. So 10 more tracks of Cinema Grind from Graf Orlock coming out in February. Sweet. Looking forward to that. I remember when kids like you had some f***ing respect. Dude, Graf Orlock is fun as to watch live and it's super intense because they have obviously it must be hard for the AV guy whoever's running sound to to actually have to queue up all of the I think it's the drummer oh is it the drummer he's gotta just... have it triggered right uh, Ryan that, that makes sense that makes sense that. yeah yeah because I always see him he's just like flipping through pressing button go oh that would make sense that's how they know how to start the songs sweet I think members of uh, Graf Orlock are in Ghost Limb is that true yes uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah same guy Justin so there's some news about Ghost Slim, too. Yeah, you want to just do that one now? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so this very same day, on the very same record label, <clears throat> Ghost Slim is putting out a new record. Nice, As, as Graf Orlock. So there's a band called Ghost Slim. They're for, also from L.A., uh, featuring Justin Smith, the uh, the guy from Graf Orlock, and Vitriol Records. So he's been working away. He's been a busy little bee. That's cool. It's like they don't release anything for a while, and then all at once just it's a flood of cool shit. Squirt it. Squirt it out, squirt it out. So it's their fifth full length. It's going to be called Difficult Loves. I always loved Ghost Slim. They are awesome. This guy, it's like he, uh, everything he touches is just pretty sweet. So check it it's out. It's like King Midas. King motherfucking Midas. Uh, Fear Factory got in a van, a bus crash in Germany. Um, thankfully, far less severe than the one that we saw last week with the ghost inside, but... The front, the whole front of their van, their bus, like a bus, is like crushed in, like a like the Hulk just punched it Oof. in the front of it. Does that make you happy, Ryan? <laughs> you pretty stoked about Come that, Come on, Ryan? man! I thought you were on the internet van flip. <laughs> so here, uh, Fear Factory said to everyone who expressed their well wishes and concerns to us today, thank you 
The event of this morning was a shock to us all. Our driver was professional and made sure that everyone was fine and then dealt with the bus. So they're all in one piece. Uh, I honestly think that <clears throat> driving is the most dangerous thing a band can do. And on, not only that, driving around in general is one of the most dangerous things a human can do. And people in bands like this do far more driving and riding in vans and buses and automobiles than probably millions the, the of hours, average, man. Yeah, the average human. I mean, does. miles, millions of miles. So honestly, it's uh, you know, if you're going into statistics and just like chance and the way that all works, like your likelihood of getting into some gnarly car accident in your lifetime is thousands of times far more exponential than the average person. So just uh, keep that in mind, man. Stay, stay off those the, icy roads. Stay off the icy roads, and that's why I always get a little bummed and freaked out when I see bands doing huge tours, like in the heart of winter. Jeez. It's not like a cool black metal song. Like, no, nah, you might f***ing die. Yeah. So be careful. Uh, Megadeth, speaking of, um, no, I don't know. There's no segue there. I was going to say, speaking of people who will die soon. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Oh, Jesus. Dave Mustaine. No, I'm just oh, joking. No, he's not man, that he's, old. He's got decades left to live it's true it's true you'll be here for quite a while Di that, wouldn't that be up if he like died next week yeah and I was be like, like, well, i'd be a, like it's kevin it's kevin's fault uh so they have a new record out coming january 22nd and uh it is their newest one since super collider came out in 2000 2013 uh they have a new song they just debuted this week called the threat is real and honestly i i feel like it's one of the best megadeth songs They've released in quite a while. Uh, I, the, the last song they did, The Fatal Illusion, we were all kind of like, all right. Yeah. They're doing pretty something. Good. Pretty all right. And Chris Adler plays drums on it. And so let's play you a little piece of this Megadeth song right here. It's called The Threat Is Real. You can imagine it kind of sounds like that, and then, you know, Mustaine's going to throw a little solo over the top of it. And I don't know. I could actually listen to it. I, honestly, Super Collider. Oh, there, oh, there it is. Super Collider sucks. Hey, man. All right, so there you go. There's the new Megadeth for your ass. 
Every year for the last like five, six years, August Burns Red has made it a point to cover a Christmas anthem. They've done uh, so many songs, and we do a Christmas episode here. And, and honestly, like half of it is August Burns Red it's songs. Been very at this helpful, point. It, indeed. Uh, and they do instrumental covers of it. This year, they're doing a cover of the John Williams theme from Home Alone. August Burns Red taking on a new Christmas theme. So let's jam a little bit of it. Makes me want to watch Home Alone. That movie's so good. I gotta say, it's no Kenosha Kickers with John Candy. A macaroni dinner just for myself. <laughs> Those sticky bandits. No, the wet bandits. The wet bandits and the sticky bandits. Oh, yes. I For a long time, I swore that Home Alone 2 was better than Home Alone 1. I don't know if that's true. I think I just like the talk boy. I think as a kid, it hit me at the perfect age where that scene in Home Alone 2 where he's throwing the bricks oh. off the top of and. <laughs> And Marv keeps getting blasted in the forehead. Now you like watch it as an adult. You're like, you're like Yo, that, that guy would goddamn hurt. Would have caved your f***ing skull in. You pesky little brat. He would have been. He would have killed those dudes like fifty times over. They're just like, trying to rape and murder you. <laughs> just let them do it. Like when he fills up the toilet full of f***ing kerosene. Yes. And the guy sticks his head in it. His head would have been blown the f*** off. The nail going through his f***ing oh! shoe. <laughs> Where he's got the spider on his face and he hits him in the face <laughs> with a crowbar? Yes. Yeah, dude. They, we could list off, you know. Somebody, somebody should remake that in a correct way. Yeah. Make it all like... The death scenes of Home Alone. Yeah, dude. And then Home Alone 3 and 4 really sh** the bed. Then we could just kill those kids and pretend that didn't happen. No Macaulay Culkin means no Home Alone. In case you were looking for a, uh, a holiday pet for your child, you can go ahead and buy the new worm that scientists have named the Muscle Worm. The in, muscle worm? In honor of Henley, Henry Rollins. They, oh, it's a fossil, so sorry, it's not going to be very cuddly. They say a muscly fossil fireworm. How's that for an alliteration? Discovered by scientists from the University of Bristol and the Natural History Museum has been named Rollins Sheta Myoplana. <laughs> in honor nice. of punk musician and spoken word artist Henry Rollins. That's awesome. Rollin Shata. You fucking worm. Myoplana. I just figured some weird STD would be named after Henry Rollins, but, you know, a worm's cool, too. Hey, man, parasites of all kind. Exactly. Don't go near Latricia. She's got the Rollins. <laughs> Yo. Hey, man, I heard you had the Rollins. How do you get that taken care of? You don't. You start a new band and pass it on. You get really pissed off and talk about it for three hours. You convince someone <laughs> to get a black flag tattoo. And then you give them your Rollins. Lamb of God is doing a good job. They got Def Heaven and Power Trip to join them uh, to join them with Anthrax for a 2016 North American tour that is not coming to the Northwest in any way. Yeah, so thanks for the uh, useless information. Well, fuck you. This tour is going to be awesome. Def Heaven and Power Trip totally joining up with two metal titans. Let's just pretend we're there. I got nothing else. All right. I'm pretending I'm there right now. I think that we got the better end of the deal, though, when we saw them at Pain in the Grass. Yeah, Truth. dude. I'm just going to throw that out there. With Motionless and White. Uh, the singer of Testament, Chuck Billy, is the manager of One Exodus 
Rob Dukes, who we reported about a few weeks ago, is feuding with his ex-Exodus members, and he claims that Chuck Billy is responsible for his firing. Hmm. So he was like, yeah, we don't really need you, and we're going to bring back the old guy. Bring back the old sound. So, f*** off, Rob Dukes. And he was like, well, f*** you too. Well, There's a lot of Shots were fired. And uh, he, Rob Dukes, loses in the end, though, honestly. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. He's talking about how apparently Chuck Billy is in charge of the booking for Exodus right now, which doesn't make, kind of makes sense, he's but doesn't just make doing, sense at the same he's time. He's doing it for them. Yeah. Whatever. I mean, they're all friends. They've been friends for a long time. Rob, here's the thing. Rob Dukes is the is the guy, the new guy to the prison, walking up with his fruit tray going, seats taken. Sorry, Rob Dukes, but you're not an old school member of the San Francisco thrash scene. You're a new school blood, bitch. <laughs> exactly. And I'm an old school crip. Uh, that's going to get me shot. Accepts Wolf Hoffman is officially open to songwriting input from new members, as reported by Blabbermouth.net. There's some new members of Accept in the ever-evolving lineup of Accept, and uh, Wolf Hoffman is the original exceptional guitarist for the band, and it's just funny that uh, he's he's now saying that he's open to songwriting input. It's uh, it's a lot further than Kerry King has gotten. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's kind of refreshing because we keep referencing like just earlier about how, you know, uh, Sean Drover and Chris Broderick left Megadeth because they were like, well, this is the Dave Mustaine show. We're not getting into these uh, records. Right. It's just going to get passed over. We're playing what somebody else wrote. So I think it's kind of cool that Wolf Hoffman, like one of the lead guitar dudes in heavy metal from way back in the day is uh, allowing new members to have some input. I think it's cool, and I think it shapes... That's what makes Accept a relevant and new band, not just a f***ing formula. Totally. More health problems have been plaguing Motorhead. Uh, Phil Campbell, their guitar player, recently had to cancel uh, their second consecutive concert uh, in Hamburg. Uh, and they have... You know, obviously they canceled several shows back when Lemmy was having some health issues... Uh, before he switched to vodka, and now everything's fine. <laughs> but you know, uh, you know, Phil, Phil Campbell, and uh, Lemmy—that's two out of three dudes that are having some health issues. So I hope they figure it out, and I hope they uh, are all doing okay here after it's all said and done. Michael Ackerfelt of Opeth claims that he sees each Opeth record as a possible last record, which is interesting. Like he he looks at it as. This could be the last one. Um, so, I don't know. I, I think that's kind of a cool approach, though, to well, make it the best as it, as it could be. You remember when we interviewed him at the Showbox? Of course. How could I forget? And we, Yeah, he was saying that, uh, you know, I, he was saying it, it, it might be the last record. But he had that fucking twinkle in his eye. Oh, yes. He was like, oh, it might be. Hmm. It was like interviewing Prince and uh, not as good at basketball. And sure, pancakes. And pancakes. And he's wider. Uh, how about this headline? Godsmack Sully Erna. Molly Cruz Nikki Six is an old, fat, washed-up has-been who treats people like shit. Was this from the Jimmy Josta podcast? I hope so. Yes, it was. That's so funny. Josta always gets the f***ing beef on he his podcast. The truth. He always starts his stories with, you know, we probably shouldn't be talking about this on the podcast, <laughs> but this is what people like to hear. And he gets so much 
talking, man. He gets I real need to go candid on there. To this. So he says, uh, "This is what Sully Ernest said. I'll say it straight out. I've never met a never met a bigger fucking dick in my life than Nikki Six. He's a douchebag. He's a straight up fucking douche. And I don't give a fuck what he says. He knows exactly where I am, and he knows exactly how he can find me anytime that motherfucker has the balls to come and look me up. And I'll say it straight out on your podcast. He's a dick, man." He Dude. just treats people like shit. So you know that song, Crying Like a Bitch? That's about Nikki Six. For real? Yeah, that's and about Nikki Six. Crying like a bitch. Because they had a feud in 2009's Crew Fest where Godsmack was a support act for Crew, uh, who was the headliner, of course, Crew Fest. Godsmack, yeah, they went on to write Crying Like a Bitch, which makes me love that song now. I used to not we used dig to it just too much. Laugh and laugh and laugh. Dude, now I'm stoked on that song and I want to hear it. Nikki Six, you were crying like a bitch. I want to see her hear a fucking death metal band cover that. So he, like he, he continued, uh, Nikki is pass happy. Like, uh, this one goes down to this one, and that one goes down to that one, and make sure this one doesn't come down this corridor. He's talking about cameras. And this one cannot film that side. And we're like, dude, get a fucking grip on yourself. Seriously. It's like nobody cares. The only reason I even wanted to stand on the side of the stage is to watch Tommy, Tommy Lee, because I love watching that dude play. He's entertaining, it's fun, and he's a good friend of mine. The funny thing is I've also heard that Sully is the biggest dick in the world also. I know he has the biggest dick. You know how this is reading to (laughs) me? Well, apparently they all have huge dicks because their egos are off the chart. This is kind of reading like like the little little kid just complaining that the big bully is picking on him. Like Sully just sounds like the little kid in the schoolyard just like, he's just an ass. He's just got problems and he's just a mean person. To me what it sounds like is don't you know who the I am? Nah, like, yeah. is the attitude that's just flying around everywhere. Don't you know who I am? Don't you know who I am? Don't you know who I am? Dude, I'm from Godsmack. We wrote voodoo. <laughs> I'm not the one who's so far away when I feel the snake bite into my face. You know, uh, the thing is, though, like, we can talk... We can talk about whatever we want. <laughs> Kevin, <laughs> thing is, these... Like, it, I know it's funny. They're getting paid. They're Hell, getting paid. Uh, a lot pe- more than us. And we're talking about it. Right. And they're getting paid, and we're talking about it. So they win. They both win at the end of that. <sighs> There's nothing we can do about they it. They probably got together, and they were like, hey, man, let's figure out some weird way to start talking about each other. Publicity stunt. A publicity stunt, and then we're going to make up, and then we're going to go on tour, just like we said it was going to be the last Motley Crue tour, and then we're, oh, just kidding, it's the Makeup 2015 tour with Godsmack. Best. <laughs> Gonna let that one roll. <laughs> hey, any one of you guys, do you, either one of you dudes ever plan on having kids? Uh, yeah, if I can. I know I. If you find a girl that can. Yeah, well. Same here. I, I, we're in the same boat. I did you need a, lot a girl of, of sturdy frame and. <laughs> childbearing hips. Childbearing, childbearing God hips. damn it. This is to, why uh, we're all single. Ryan, you have a girlfriend, though. I, I do. I do. All right. Well, my, my younger cousin, who is the youngest one in my family other than me, is getting married soon. And that means I'm the only one left in my family. Only one. Only one. So, uh, the reason I'm even saying this I'm is sure that- I'm sure you've gotten some chicks pregnant. I mean, they just, you know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the reason I ask is because there's a new fucking company called Twinkle Twinkle Little Rockstar. And I can't believe I'm even saying this because you motherfuckers are the most insensitive, insensitive motherfuckers <laughs> oh, on the I'm planet. Sorry. 
There's a lullaby versions of Ghost BC. For the little boys. Via Roma Music Group. Nice, There's dude. Eight, it's a lullaby version of Can we listen Ghost. to it? And I think that I'm going to have nightmares if I listen to this. Let's listen. This is creepy and awesome. I feel like I'm playing a video game. Listen to this. Super Mario RPG. Hell yeah. versus zombies background music or something. It's some flash game. I'm gonna skip halfway. They have Rockstar lullaby versions of Slayer as well. That I wanna hear. This is awesome. Lullaby versions of Typo. Oh, yeah. Now you know what to buy your niece for Christmas. Oh, my God. My sister would kill me. Lullaby versions of Megadeth. You don't have to tell her what it is. Lullaby versions of Burzum? (laughs) Lullaby versions of Metallica. Twinkle, twinkle, little rock star. I don't know how I feel about that, honestly. (laughs) Yeah. But it's like, um, I guess the kind of subversive, subtle learning that you can only develop as a metalhead. Well, in what will officially be probably one of, if not the best tour of 2016, Slayer is going to be touring the U.S. with Testament and Carcass. This is some heavyweight motherfucking metal, and it's going to be sick. But uh, there's only one date so far as the podcast press time has uh, has been announced and leaked. March 3rd at the Fillmore in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. So I guess if you want to get an indication of what size, capacity kind of tour they're doing, go and check up what the Fillmore looks like. Maybe they're uh, the... the online view of that and uh you can get an idea maybe of what in seattle would would fit that kind of style of tour they're doing which local band's gonna get to open that probably no one right no one you'd have to be like the like it would be like black breath maybe they're not even in that realm yeah even that would be the yeah no one's at that level at this point someday all right so uh, uh robert trujillo obviously of uh metallica and uh Infectious grooves and suicidal tendencies and many. He's a bass player among bass players. He is a film producer about the new uh, Jaco Pastorius documentary called Jaco. He just presented a bass player lifetime achievement award to one Mr. Lemmy Kilmeister. Cool. At the bass player live concert as part of the eighth annual premiere of the live bass guitar event, Bass Player Live, hmm. which I think is cool. The Rickenbacker. It's a. Uh, it's a. It's a. It's a real important part of bands that most people don't really pay attention to unless you are a bass player or have been at one point. Yeah, Mr. Pound, don't have a bass player. You're both play bass players, though, really. Yeah. You both make up for it. Not trying to call you out. They got the low end. Some way to f-ing give me a counter argument. They got the low end. No, I, I got nothing for that. Can I play? No. Yeah. You can learn our stuff. 
I can't. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> That's the problem. Oh, yeah. You can learn my stuff? No, I can't. Sorry. So there's a robot metal band. This is f***ing sick. It's a ba- heavy metal band called a Compressor, Compressor Head, Head. And they're looking for a lead singer. Yeah, they're a f***ing robot band. Well, they're, they're building a lead singer. He, uh, he just Whoa. started... Um, what? They just started cr- uh, a new crowdfunding thing, and I guess they're building a lead singer for this for this all-robot band. Have you guys seen a, a robot band play live yet? No. Well, I've seen the videos of Compressor Head playing. There's like, an... Com- Compressor Head as well. There's this dude that comes through every now and then called... Uh, it's it's uh, Taken by Robots, and the one guy plays guitar and sings, and it's like a robot drummer and a second guitar robot guitarist. It's basically the same kind of deal, except with a fat guy playing stuff, and they do all do covers. It's bizarre, though, to watch robots on stage... Doing all that stuff, you know? I mean, like, they've programmed these robots to play an actual guitar with six strings. Yeah. An actual bass and an actual drum set. No, they, it's, it's it's the same deal with yeah. Taken by uh, taken by Robots. It's crazy, man. Yeah. So Compressor had their building one? Is that what they said? They're building a singer. A heavyweight lead vocalist. What they say is that... Uh, if there's a loud reaction in the audience, the singer will be able to react to that, and he can also make comments during the show. So he can do, like, some mosh call-outs. Nice. All right, you human pussies. I want to see some spin kicks. Wouldn't that be cool if they got somebody really big to record the samples for that? Like Arnold Schwarzenegger or Sylvester Stallone or, like, some huge big Hollywood A-list being, like, super tough for all the samples? Just, like, get in the pit! Get in the pit. All right, so, okay. This is something that I mentioned last week in the podcast is that the Eagles of Death Metal, the band that was uh, on stage during the Paris attacks, were going to be doing their full interview with Vice. And uh, it came out this week, and it's 26 minutes long. Obviously not going to play it right now. Is that something we want to put at the end of our podcast? We already got that Endorphins Lost uh, interview. Well, that was a separate, that's a whole separate um, thing of an, in and of itself. Yeah. The only reason why I say that we should do it is because it's worth hearing. It was an actual factual thing that affects people in the music community. And if we put it at the end of the podcast, you can skip it if you don't want to hear it. I say let's do it. I'm into that. Are you cool with that? Absolutely. Yeah, sa- save the endorphins and, lost and thing give, for another you know, time. Well, no, it's already a separate podcast. Oh, yeah. That you already uploaded. You did it earlier tonight. So just leave it as its own separate thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah all right. Totally. I'm into that. Which is what we said we were going to do in the first place. Yeah. Fair enough. So we'll do that after this. And uh, to be fair, it's a pretty graphic and, and uh, intense thing. So if you don't want to hear uh, Eagles of Death Metal discussing the Paris terror attacks from the first-hand view, uh, then you can skip it at the end of this podcast. Getty Lee from Rush was... Uh the subject of a town hall fan question and answer session with Michael Moore, believe it or not, and uh, Getty Lee from Rush, Sirius oh. XM was the people who did this, held it, and uh, when he was asked about the future plans following this year's R40 live dates, uh, Lee said, well, it's a difficult question to answer. It's always emotional, but at this point, we're not able to agree on more tours, so at this point, it doesn't look possible for another tour, but I would say that being an optimist uh, and a patient person, I hope that will change. I know that we've talked about more music as Rush, and that is certainly something possible. There are other ways of presenting our music to the public, and that's possible, but we haven't discussed it since the end of the tour. So one of those guys doesn't want to go on the road anymore. Yep. And Getty's like, I'm down. Well, I'm healthy. Maybe it's him, and he's the one that's being, I mean, he's obviously being diplomatic about it, but. Well, Rush doesn't come across as one of those bands that would have any kind of squabbles be 
a big public well, thing, yeah. you know? They're grown-ass men. Yeah. What they need to get is, like, an Iron Maiden-sized airplane. That's true. Then they can go do whatever the f*** they want. Can we borrow the uh, the Maiden plane, Yo, can dude? we get that plane real quick? Cool. See you guys in uh, South Korea. All right, Judas Priest uh, guitarist Glenn Tipton uh, recently said in an interview by 94.3 The Shark in New York. Should probably give them credit. Uh, he said that he does not care. He couldn't care less about being inducted, <laughs> inducted, inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He's, this is what he says. I couldn't care less, honestly, and I'll tell you why. It's no disrespect to, and I mean it's not going to change our life to start with. And secondly, there's some bands in there that really deserve to be in there, but there's almost as many bands in there that don't deserve to be in there. If it was really the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, there's been some serious acts overlooked. You know, there's been some one-hit wonders put in there. I don't even know who chooses. I mean, is there a body of people up in the sky that sit with God and say, well, that's the band there? I don't know. But they seem to make some strange choices sometimes. So if I got... So so if it got perhaps more respect for their judgment calls and we were selected, yeah, I'd be proud to be in there. But as it stands, I don't think that accolade means anything really. And I agree with that since they just removed... The ashes of the man who coined the term rock and roll for a Beyonce stage outfit exhibit. Jesus. Brutal. So he's right. Uh, Chris Broderick and Sean Drover recently just did an interview where they were very forthcoming about uh, why they left Megadeth. And I think it's exactly what we thought it was going to say. And I'm not going to read the whole thing, but the gist of it was, and you can take my word for it, he said, hey, if I'm going to be in Megadeth, this is the Dave Mustaine project. I get that. I respect that. But I'm never going to be able to do what I want to do, right? <laughs> Which is why he and Sean uh, left Megadeth on the same day. Chris Broderick didn't know that Sean Drover was leaving Sean left six hours before Chris, and then Chris was like, well, cool. I'm See out. See you later. <laughs> and then they started Active Defiance. That's uh, awesome. The name is cool <laughs> when, when you think of that story, too. Right. So they were just like, hey, we're out. And it wasn't like a solidarity thing. They both did it of their own accord and didn't know the other one was going to do it. It's funny. They just can had you, enough. Can you imagine that phone conversation? So, dude, uh... I, I'm sure you know by now I quit the band. No sh**, me what? too. No, whoa, <laughs> cool. you're free? What are you doing right, right now? You want to start a band? playing with you. Want to come over to my house, hang out and jam? All right, yeah. I got all this free time. Cool. And this money. <laughs> kind of. And all these drugs that I wasn't able to take when Dave was around. Let's get drunk. Let's talk about Dave. Because Dave stole them all. Let's get drunk and talk about how much better Metallica is than Megadeth. Let's eat some tacos. <laughs> Uh, Stone Sour has a cover EP coming out, something like that. Yeah, they they already put out one cover EP, so they're doing a couple. Yeah, so this is their second cover EP in a row. It's called Straight Out of Burbank. Uh, it's them doing Sailing On by Bad Brains, Running Free by Iron Maiden, Gimme Shelter by the Rolling Stones with Lizzie Hale of Hailstorm, Too Fast for Love by Motley Crue, and Seasons in the Abyss by Slayer. I like that they're mixing it up a little bit. So I guess it just came out two days ago on November 27th. 5,000 copies on vinyl only. Interesting. Huh. 7-inch? Or 10-inch? I don't know. It depends on how big you want it, big boy. That's what she asked. 
Uh, the last uh, they they said they're doing a third covers EP uh, called No Sleep Till Burbank. It's going to be Van Halen, Violent Femmes, Buzzcocks, Rage Against the Machine, and ACDC. So it's like, hey man, we like all these bands that wrote good songs. Can we cover it and make some money? Money, money. Uh. Why? Well, yeah, do Pink Floyd next? Yeah, dude, do it. Money. Here on Metal Shop, we like to talk about the news and we like to get into some subjects, but we also like to get a little bit more sensitive and look at the artistic side of metal. Now, this week on Metal Shop's Backstage Pass, Brutal Poetry Too Hot for Radio, Ian will be reciting lyrics, some of the more disgusting and intense lyrics from Carnal Fecophilia Due to Prolonged Exposure to Methane by the almighty cattle decapitation. Take it away, Ian. Rotting meat, a tasty midnight snack, freshly decomposed, slurping the slop that's still in the ass, proceeding to siphon the carnage. A hose in my mouth now becomes a pump to thrust the liquefied carrion into my orifice. A most unhealthiest of dumps, a flatulating felch Felch! I sat on the stump, expelling heinous gases and biohazards. Ingesting my own defecation. Ingesting human carnal desire. Fecophilia due to exposure to methane. Heaping mounds of human waste. Humid is the stench. Feces, Feces. organs, blood, and sinew. Sex through death. Diseased, enlarged by hypothalamus, pleasure and pain. Carnally decimated, exposure to methane. Thick and sickening is the stench of humanity laid to waste. Ripped strips from my face, I gag on the taste. To no life. Death in the gallbladder. To no life. Death and disease to no life. Death. Thank you very much, Ian. That was Cattle Decapitation's Carnal Fecophilia due to prolonged exposure to methane lyrics. Well, we saw methane. God damn it. All I right, we're going to totally switch it up. And we're it was going better to... than Ice Pick Gag Reflex. This is Eagles of Death Metal. All right, in all seriousness, here is the interview that uh, Eagles of Death Metal did with Vice Magazine giving you some more in-depth uh, insight into what happened in Paris. And uh, we'll see you guys again next week. Bye. We love you. While reporting on the recent horrific terror attacks in Paris, we realized with a shock that the band playing at the Bataclan the venue where 89 people lost their lives, is actually the Eagles of Death Metal, a band that Vice has worked with many times. Now the band haven't spoken about it before, but agreed to come to our LA office and talk about their experience and the friends and the fans that they tragically lost that night.
So let's start at the beginning. You're an hour into your show. You're playing. Three gunmen walk in, start shooting. At first, I thought it was the PA cracking up. And then I realized real quick that it wasn't. And I recognized what, what, the, what it was. Mm. That time Jesse ran, he ran towards me and we went in the corner of the stage. We weren't sure if they were targeting us or mm -hmm. what was going on, you know? Boot, who's uh, also on the crew, he, uh, I guess he saw, he saw the gunman like run out of, run, a cartridge run out. And so he took it out to put another one in and that's when he was like, let's go. Mm. And, um, and then we, we got up and ran off the stage. Yeah. So I go, I gotta find Tuesday. We went up the stairs, went to the dressing room to find Tuesday, but she wasn't there. He kept going up yeah. and then he came running back down because he saw the gunman up, upstairs. So gunman come in, shooting happens, chaos ensues. Yeah. You guys go off together. Yeah. How do you get out? We, after we come back downstairs, we uh, go out the side exit door onto the street, onto this little street. The kids, were they saw us and they were helping and they were being so helpful and they were being so great and they're like come this way come this way and but matt you can correct me if i'm wrong but you were trapped in a room with some fans yeah when uh when the shooting started i threw down my base hid for a second sort of behind the curtain sort of behind the monitor desk and immediately you know people started pouring through there's like a door uh to get up to the stage Right. Stage access from on the, your side, venue. yeah, and uh, that's where everyone was coming from. People were coming, and Steve, our tour manager, he was there, and and he's the first, you know, he's the first person I saw, and just the look on his face of like, we both had the same thought of, you know, he was like, there's there's no exit over here, mm -hmm. and he was trying to tell people that, you know, like, everyone's you're just running. trying to get out. Everyone's running. Well, everyone started going up into this room, or you know, uh, you know, just to escape the gunfire, you know, naturally, instinctively. From my perspective, I, you know, I see the shooting, I see it. <laughs> I see, you know, the pops go off, the, the lights flashing, sort of dive over, and then just have to make that decision of whether do I really want to run across the stage or do I want to just go in this room, hope for the best. So I went in the room with a bunch of people, and there's a bunch of people all helping each other to get up there, you know, like, holding on and just like, let's, you know, we're in this. And as soon as we get there, there's, there's a few people that have been shot and we're bleeding. People started, we started grabbing chairs to barricade the door. Uh, there's like a little mini fridge. And some, someone had left a, uh, a bottle of champagne in the room for like a post-show thing. We had that to use in case- As a weapon. Could. Yeah, because that's it, that's all we had. You know, there was a woman in front of me who it was scary because she was bleeding the whole, you know, she got shot like right here, you know, on her upper thigh. And there was nothing to do except for, there was a, this, this guy, I don't know, you know, this, who was holding her and just keeping pressure on her. And she had a friend who was doing the same thing and this guy was just trying to like keep her comfortable. And, and I mean, and her, her blood was running out on, on the ground and there was, uh, <clears throat> there was a, a leak for some reason, but the whole room was starting to get flooded. And we were worried because water was, I mean, it was 
like it was up to here, you know, right. like covering our shoes, start trickling down the stairs, and then that would we we're worried that that maybe that would alert someone that like hey, there's people in this room. The gunfire got closer. It went on for you know 10, 15 minutes. It just didn't stop, and then it would stop, and there was a sense of relief, and then it would start up again, and then there was an explosion. It just shook the whole room, probably the whole building, and uh, you know. And of course, we didn't know what that was, so we didn't know if someone's trying to bomb the place or trying to maybe blow up the whole venue or what. Um, just and, and what was of, it? It was a, a it vest. Was one of the. It was yeah. I found out later. Yeah. So a suicide vest. Yeah. And and Julian, maybe you could tell us you were you were playing drums. What did you see? I think really shocked me at first was that we're a loud rock band, you know, mm -hmm. and the power of the band off the stage through the VA is hard to trump, and the initial shots were, were so powerful for me mm. that I immediately, I, I knew something was wrong. I kind of bailed off my stool almost immediately. The gunpowder hit my nose. I turned looked sort of through my, my drum hardware to the side of an amp, and that's when the second round started. And I saw two guys out front, and that might be the just most awful thing ever, is them just relentlessly uh, shooting into the audience. That's when I started crawling. I just basically stayed almost on my chin, crawling to the right side of the stage behind the drum riser, keeping all that gear in front of me. And once I got to the other side of the stage, Eden mentioned it earlier, I think Boot knew I saw a moment, an opportunity for them to run to that door. They ran in front of me, I saw them, I hopped up and I ran right behind them. And so Jesse, you were looking for your girlfriend Tuesday. He's going off stage right, you're going off stage left. He's behind the drum riser. What happened to you? I ran up, I didn't see her on side of stage, so I ran up to the dressing room, and uh, just like he said, I threw the door open, she wasn't in there. Then I opened up the hallway door, and that's when I saw the uh, shooter, uh, and he turned on me, brought his gun down, and the barrel hit the uh, door frame, and I, I was like, oh, f and I turned around and I started, because I, I could tell people were following me, you know, this was a situation where everyone was looking for the place to go, you know? And uh, I realized that, and I was like, no, 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 no. Do not come this way, do not. And we started heading back down. And uh, we got to that exit door and I still hadn't seen Tuesday. And Julian got out in front of me and I was, Eden and I, Eden was like standing with me. Actually, I think if you think about it, you were like, what the f dude? You, it was almost like, let's move, let's go. But I didn't know what to do. And, and But when Tuesday saw Julian and I heard her voice, <sighs> I knew she was cool. And then, you know, Eden and I, Eden grabbed me, I think. We headed out and I noticed that immediately that everyone was pouring around from the side. Remember that? And, and nobody was coming out of our exit and they were just standing there, like just kind of coming around that alley and we were like, Get the f start the f move move. I think Julian noticed the same thing too. You know, like when uh, 
people just didn't seem to know what to do. They had, I mean... Speaking of people not knowing what to do, you're out there in front of house, so you're which, doing sound. Which was usually... Front of house usually is positioned right in the middle of the dance floor. Yeah. But for this particular gig, I was at the very back of the venue, which they call front of house, and at the very end, near the opening of the... where the doors were. And the show went well. We, I mean, the, these kids were having a blast. They were having a great time. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, the smile and the dancing and you know the, the singing along with each song. It was such, you know, it's heartfelt. And then, out of nowhere, I just heard these what I thought were firecrackers directly behind me. Mm. And so they I, were shooting from behind you. Correct. So they came in the door, instantly walked in, and just started blasting. There was two of them. Random or random. And that's instantly people started dropping to the ground, injuries, death, mm. you know, and then Fear. also running, there was no way to go. So they basically ran into me, mm. towards me, and jumped down below my console, and I was still standing up, and I can see the gunman, and he looked right at me, and he shot at me, and he missed, and it hit my console, and buttons went flying everywhere, like the console got caught a shot, mm. and that's when I went instantly down to the ground, and mm. we all just huddled, and I think he thought I probably got hit because I went down so quickly and everybody else around was injured. There was blood all over. Mm -hmm. He stayed there and continued to shoot and shoot and slaughter and just, just scream at the top of his lungs, Allah Akbar. Mm -hmm. And that's when I instantly knew what was going on. It was this girl that was behind me that got hit in, in the upper torso and she had hit in the leg. And uh, she was just, you know, screaming. I was trying to tell her to be quiet. And, you know, just don't bring him attention back to us. And we, How did you get out? Well, <clears throat> we listened, and he ran out of bullets again. Clipped out, threw his bandolier down, and I could hear him rustling around. I think he had a backpack on, and he was trying to either retrieve it from his backpack. And that's when I said, he's reloading, let's go. Mm -hmm. And we jumped up, and six of us took off in the right direction and got away. Uh, and then the guy started shooting again because he had reloaded, so we had pulled back again, the rest of us. Mm. So we waited again for the next round, which was another 30 rounds. Then after that, I noticed that he wasn't really near us anymore. He was, by the sound of his gunshots, he was moving his way towards the stage. And he reloaded again, and that's when we all ran. I picked the girl up and basically had to push her forward to get her to go because she was in such shock. Mm. And this other guy helped me, and then once we got through, he turned on us, because I could hear the guns, gunshots hitting mm -hmm. through, like, the walls to the front doors, mm -hmm. and it busted out. They were out. shooting at you. They were shooting at us, and he, he broke the, the... The front doors were glass, mm -hmm. and there was a glass door, so I went to push it before... I mean, I'd say a foot away from me hitting the door, it shattered. I mean, the bullet hit, mm -hmm. and we just got through it, and then we ran out. We had to jog over bodies that were dead out front. So you guys make it to the police station. You get there, what do you do? Who do you call? Well, I call Joshua. That's what all I could, I mean, that's what we, it's what you do when you're in trouble, you call Josh. And I instantly stopped worrying a little bit, at least about the uncertainty of things. 
Yeah, because when we got to the police station, it was still chaos because there were kids coming from the venue covered in blood, and um, we didn't know what was going on because there was no news. And we were just hearing reports from people from their cell phones. Mm. So once we heard, yeah, once we got in touch with Josh, then it was like I everything was I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go grab Josh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so Josh, another founder of the band, you guys start this band, I believe, in 1998. Yeah. Okay, so it's been going a long time. You're getting texts, you're hearing things, it's on the news. What happens? Like, what, what do you, how do you even deal with that? It took a second to, to believe that that's really occurring because mm -hmm. it wasn't on the news yet. It wasn't. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I went immediately to our office to get started on anything, any, anything, everything that could be done to anything you do if you're not there mm -hmm. to bring them home. I've almost come to rely upon Joshua being the cavalry, you know, especially for me. Um, and I, I felt so guilty in a way that, like, I'd left Matt on the stage and maybe Davey too, and I, I didn't want anything to have happened to them, and I really needed them to have gotten off the stage because I didn't see what happened when we got off. and. Joshua wouldn't let me think about that, he, and, and he, he... Well, I just hope you understand, Baby Duck, that I, I, I love you very much. I and love you too, man. you were here for us, because this has always been our band. That's how we look at it. Now, we spoke to Jesse and Josh, the founders of Eagles of Death Metal, about what the future of the band is in the wake of this terrible tragedy. How did you find out about this? I was at... Uh my studio, and I just got a text that uh, it, it just didn't make sense to me, you know? Right here. Bro, everyone got shot. Huh, what? Everyone got shot. They took hostages. I've got blood all over me. Joshua was probably the first one in the world to really know outside what was going on because of the real-time connection, truly. The one thing that all the guys in the band kept sharing was a, like a shared heroism mm -hmm. that people came out of their homes mm. to help. Mm. The fans that were in there, <laughs> even when injured, were attempting to help each other in the band. And I think about Nick, who protected a friend of his, and like that's and something that- stayed quiet and never called for help until he bled out because he didn't want to, he didn't want anyone else to get hurt, I mean, and, and that's just us. We have a podium right now because we're in the friggin' band, right? But we represent the fans that did not make it, the people that did not make it, whose stories may never get told. Right, I want to read some of the texts that, uh, that came out, and I know this is emotional for you guys. You know, my boyfriend, a man named Olivier, and I could jump over your fly cases stocked on the left side of the stage. And we hid there for an hour, hoping the killers wouldn't find us. A bomb. Yes, those bastards had bombs. Exploded just beside us. The piled up boxes of gear protected us from being shredded to pieces. In a way, our lives were saved because of you. The, the, um, several people, because there was really mass confusion and the hallways were really kind of, uh, they became a labyrinth. But um, uh, 
several people hid in our dressing room and the killers were able to get in and killed every one of them except for a kid who was hiding under my leather jacket. The killers got in your dressing room? Yeah. Wow. People were playing dead and they were so scared. A, a great reason why so many were killed is because so many people wouldn't leave their friends. Mm. So, and uh, so many people put themselves in front of people. You're stuck doing this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Everyone's name that didn't make it that you know, we have so you, far. You're stuck writing down names and you, and you don't know why. And like, I, I'm writing these down. I'm right. you know, I'm writing these down and I'm thinking, man, it's, it's, it's hard to even believe. I just wanted to write it down just to see, for God's sake, like their parents, I wish I, I, wish I could talk to their parents. Mm. What would you tell them? I, I, don't, I don't know what the right thing to say is. I'm, I'm right. sorry. I, 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 I think this is like, it's such a delicate situation. It's so unfortunate. I sort of want to just get down on my knees, you know, and just say whatever you need. Right. Because there's nothing I can really say because words just don't mean fail to, like, grasp the thing. And, and that's okay, too, you know? I, 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 it's okay that there aren't words for that. Maybe there shouldn't be. I, I pledge to every person who loves rock and roll that... And join me, don't. join me, and, and I won't, get, I, I will never, I may be scared, and maybe I went through some bad but it's not in any, I'm breathing. I get to f talk to my son tonight, and, uh, and I have a house that is paid for because rock and roll's blessed me and been very good to me, and I've been blessed with beautiful friends. I feel like I have a life of blessings, and, and, I'm not gonna walk around acting like it sucks. Right. I don't get, my grandmother and my mother raised me to never give a what an ass thinks. If Adolf Hitler hates you, that's awesome. You want everyone to know that that ass you. You know, I, I, I don't wanna spend my life trying to appease or not appease assholes. I wanna spend my life smiling with my friends and entertaining them. I cannot wait to get back to Paris. I cannot wait to play. I wanna come back. I, I, did, I, I, want, I, I wanna be the first band to play in the Bataclan when it opens back up. I, 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 why? I wanted because I was there when it when it went silent for a minute. Mm -hmm. Our friends went there to see rock and roll and died. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna go back there and live. Do you finish the tour? What does that look we like? We have to finish the tour. We don't really have a choice. Mm -hmm. We have to finish the tour. Mm -hmm. uh, not only for ourselves and our fans. Not only for Nick Alexander. Mm -hmm. Not not only because but because this is our way of life. This isn't political, that's the beauty of what we get right. to do. It's, it's beyond <coughs> that. You know, it's, it's, it's the human condition. It's, and, and we're gonna recruit people too. The most American we're gonna thing recruit, is... We're gonna recruit people to, to be part of life, to be citizens of the earth. Mm. And, we and, have recruited people. I mean, if you see the outpouring of love and the outpouring of support for you guys. This sort of outpouring and solidarity you know, um, that may be obvious to someone on the outside. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, of course you get together, but but I gotta be honest. The feeling, the, of like, the the feeling that, at the very least, something good will happen now. You know, mm -hmm. like that, we have a chance to come together. I mean, 
It's going to take a long time for anyone to uh, know what to do and what happened and what. I mean, there is no why for this. There's no why. Can we take five minutes? Yeah. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's take five. What happens now for Eagles of Death Metal? Well, do you want to? Yeah, Duran Duran, uh, we covered uh, Save a Prayer, and the French fans made it a, a statement of solidarity with uh, Let's Make Eagles number one. So Simon Le Bon came forward and really beautifully and uh, really generously uh, opted to donate his side of the uh, publishing and royalties earned from it, from our cover of that, to the victims. So Joshua and I kind of saw that as a, a, a formula for a, a general challenge. Yeah, or just like an opportunity to take a cue from something generous like that. And we have a song called I Love You All the Time. And if you're a country artist, if you're death metal, if you're a DJ, if you're rock, it doesn't matter. Cover that song and we'll donate the publishing. Our label will donate the master side, all the publishing. And also I would challenge iTunes, Spotify, yeah, Amazon, Tidal, whomever delivers music to get on board. And if that song is recorded, to donate all of it so the entirety of it can be designated to help anyone that was victim of this Paris attack and ruined by this to, mm -hmm. to build again. Any of those recovering in the hospital, if yeah. they want us... <clears throat> We're all connected. They need a phone yes. call from us, if whatever. Frankly, no one can Forever. do this alone. Yeah. And the more united, the more solidarity, the more together it is, the more it's like a beacon of compassion and love and a progression forward to be part of something greater. To end this, what do you want to say to your fans? What do you want to say to people out there? What do you want to say to the people of France, people here in America? What do you say to them? Don't move, we'll come to you. Okay. We're coming to you, you know. Always, always, we will never lose or forget you. We keep you in my heart as long as my comrades here and, you know, keep strength and keep, keep it up. I love you all very much and we will move past this uh, over it, however, and we'll do it together. And I want to thank everyone for everything they've done for us. I don't really think I could have, I don't think any of us could have handled it without the bizarre, really unique support, especially from our French, uh, the, pre, the kids that were there. Um, I feel like we are in it together, especially now. And I really am grateful for that. Julian? Our relationship with the fans of the shows is, is very much reciprocated. And, and we really appreciate that and love that. And um, look forward to, to seeing them again. Music is what we do, it's our lives, and there's no way we're not gonna keep doing it. But hearing from people and hearing their stories, we don't, we don't want that to stop. <clears throat> Anybody who wants to reach out to us, they, they are welcome anytime. And, and, and playing every night and seeing, seeing those smiling faces, out in the crowd. 
that's what keeps us going, you know. That's what that's what makes us play a show. That's that's why we play, and and, uh, and there's no way that we're not going to keep doing that again because we both need it. We all need it. We really appreciate all of the fans writing to us, and even if it's taking a little time to write back, because there is a lot, which is awesome. Um, yeah, and once again, you know, just our hearts go out to the families of the victims and the people of France. I know this has been a really hard time for you guys, and I'd just like to thank you for taking the time with us today and telling your stories, and uh, I look forward to seeing the next chapter with Eagles of Death Metal. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.